Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. But uh, social media, I, I, I see people argue religion. On social media, and I'll tell you, it never works. Not one time has anybody ever posted something that made you say, "You know what? You changed my mind." I think you're. I think you're right. I have never seen a conservative flip a liberal with a with a social media post. It just doesn't work. Vice versa, it doesn't work. It doesn't. It doesn't happen. But I see people getting into arguments over religion out of nothing. And it turns into a big fight, and it's, it's not right for us to do. You really cannot—some people think they're trying to do ministry over social media. I'm not going to say this is an absolute. This is just my opinion. But my opinion is you can't really do min- real ministry over social media. So uh, ministry is m- meant to be made out of fellowship, getting together one-on-one, being together, because you're more accountable that way. There's no accountability in social media because you got your your keyboard warriors they can say whatever they want who cares and it, that's just not how uh the kingdom works so i saw a post the other day from nasa and <clears throat> nasa had this picture from the the james webb telescope of a bunch of dots all over the screen and they said each one of these dots is not a star each one of these dots is a galaxy now i'm i'm impressed with god's creation but to think that each one of those dots is a galaxy, and each galaxy has billions of stars in it, and the odds of each star maybe having a, a whatever, however many stars might would have at least one planet, that means there's billions of planets. And of all the billions of planets, NASA suggested there has to be life out there somewhere. I personally don't believe that there is, because God only talked about putting his creation here on Earth, okay? I mean, it's fun with all the probes we send into space, and they're looking for water, and they find one little water droplet on a moon of Saturn, and they get all excited about life, and they get all, oh, we found, we think we found possible life. I mean, I'm here at the pulpit preaching about eternal life all the time, <laughs> okay? Well, we found a drop on a moon around Saturn. That's life, okay? But uh, So NASA posted this about the billions of galaxies. And inevitably, there's going to get to be a religious debate in there somewhere. So I followed the thread, and I'm looking, I'm looking. And somebody said something about, yeah, there should be another creation out there. And some people started posting Bible verses. Well, the the atheists started jumping on the believers and attacking the believers. And one guy said, well, how do you explain the suffering and the uh, children having diseases and death and and hurricanes wiping people out, and earthquakes, and all this stuff, so there can't be a God. And immediately, what came to my mind was Psalm 53, 1. 
that says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Okay. So if somebody says there's no God, what does the Bible say they are? <laughs> don't go around calling them fool. Well, I can do it because the Bible says it. Don't, don't do that. But they're, they're foolish. And if you ever hear anybody saying that there is no God because of my list of criteria, therefore I determine with my finite being that there's no God, the person is a fool to say that. And another thing while we're on here, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. I want to give you a quick lesson about context. You cannot pluck a verse and make an entire theology off of a piece of a verse. You can't make an entire theology about God of who you think he is off of one Bible verse. You've got to read and read and find out lots and lots of stuff to find out more about who God is. For instance, the the verse I just read, if somebody wanted to say there is no God, they could say, look, Psalm 53, verse 1, there is no God. Even the Bible says there's no God. Okay, they they didn't read it in its context. Context means the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. I've seen people fall for this one. People will say there's really actually not a God because the Bible says so in Psalm 50, in Psalm 53, verse 1, there is no God. <laughs> you, see, you see the point I'm making. You keep the context right. There is a God. It's the fool that says there's not one. So you'll bump into this all the time. And let, let me say real quick, when you bump into these people that say there is no God, yes, the Bible says they are a fool, but that does not give you the entitlement to treat them like one. You don't treat them like fools. Identify they're foolish. They don't get it because they don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't have that discernment. They need to get saved. They need to get the Holy Spirit so that then they can now determine, yes, there is a God. Follow that procedure instead. So Psalm 53, 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and have done abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. And this is a pretty bleak uh, outlook for all of us, is that we're, we're not good. None of us are good. That's why we cannot boast in saying how good we are. I'm a pretty good guy. God must love me. There was a country song come out a number of years ago about an old, sweet old man. And he was a wonderful man. And he was nice to everybody. And the neighborhood loved him. And he'd help you work on your car. And he'd help you do your grass. And as the song goes along, the old man dies which starts pulling at your heartstrings and gets your sympathies going so that you kind of cry and all. And, and they sing in the song. They, they, they lead you through this whole song about this wonderful, generous man. And at the end of the song, they say something to the effect like, if there's ever been anybody that deserved to get into heaven, it was that guy. And when I heard that song, I went, oh, my gosh, deserve heaven. You can't. You don't, we don't deserve heaven. And I remember all of my Christian friends got so mad at me for knocking this song because their compassion was built up. Their emotions were triggered by what the sweet old man did. But I said, this song is leading a lie because nobody deserves to go to heaven. Nobody does. Not even this sweet old man. How dare you say that? And people get all upset. Well, these are unlearned Christians. These are, I don't even know if I want to call them a Christian at that point. They don't read the Bible, and they hear a song that touches their heart, and, and this, this lie leads on that you should deserve to go to heaven. 
The Bible says there is none who does good. There's none. Don't look for examples in people. Don't look for examples in me. You know, whatever you think of me, if you think great of me, wonderful, thank you. But don't look at me as your example of what good is because I don't have it. That's why you need to read the Bible. That's why you need to understand who Jesus is. That's why we study God's word together. If, if you look at it and say, well, Ray's a pretty good guy. I want to be like him. He must be the, the, the proper Christian. Let's be more like Ray is. You're already messing up because there's none who are, who are good. Know the word of God. Know who Jesus is. He is our only standard that we should be following. You know, um, uh, I think I've had it said before, uh, Christianity is not about being like Christians. It's about being like Christ. Never be like Christians. There's none who, who does good. Verse 2, God looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand who seek God. But verse 3 says, every one of them, except for the great, wonderful me, Ray Jensen, I'm so perfect, every one of them but me has turned aside. And that's the way people read the Bible. I'm pretty good. I'm going to heaven. I'm a pretty good guy. But this says, every one of them has turned aside. All of us. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. I remember as a kid, the church we went to, as when I was a young child, um, we were sitting there in church, and it was a pretty big church. And I thought the pastor was practically God himself at that young age. I thought that man could do no wrong. God must love him more. And the pastor, when the sermon was over, he pointed over at, the, at, at, at where I was sitting with my family, and he goes, I just want to let you all know that the Jensen family has invited us over for dinner today, and we're looking forward to coming. And I just went, oh, my God, they're coming into our house. I felt like I was so inadequate for them, the pastor and his wife, to come in our house. And I remember they came over for dinner. I didn't know this was going to happen. I, I was trying to be all proper and sit up right and everything. And the pastor's wife sat down at the table, family table, right next to me, and I was scared out of my mind. I was afraid I was going to do something wrong and that she was going to see me and that I was going to get in trouble with God for that. Okay. And I remember I was being all quiet, and we were just eating. I didn't dare look at her. I was scared out of my mind, right? Finally, she nudged me, and I went, oh, shoot. She looks down at me. She goes, this is good, isn't it? And I went, yeah. I was just scared. I was scared. I thought she, her, and the, and the, and the pastor, I thought they were perfect because they're pastor and pastor's wife. You have to be perfect to be a pastor of a church. I had no idea that God said there is none who does good. No, not one. I had a skewed mindset. It was, I mean, it's a child's thinking. But you know what's funny is when people grow up, they think the same thing. If they, if they don't read this, what we just read here in, Pro, in Psalms uh, 53, no one does good. If we don't read this and let the Bible tell us this, we will actually think there are people who are holier than, that, than, than the rest of us. I had a friend that um, he wanted to give me something. He wanted to give me a, a, a gift. He knew I was in this uh, radio hobby that I do, that I contact nations all over the world and talk on the radio, and it's a lot of fun. He had an amplifier. He goes, hey, this amplifier will make your wattage higher. They'll hear you better. Your signal will be stronger. And I, I want to give it to you, Ray. I want to give it to you. And something was a little off about it, and I, I just never went up to pick it up from him. 
And so I never would go get that amplifier. One night I was scanning the frequencies and I, I locked on some activity on a signal and I heard him and, and it was him. And I heard him say, I, I don't know what's wrong with that with Ray. I, I'm trying to give him this amplifier and he just won't take it. And I'm like, okay, now I get to listen in on what this is all about. And what the man said, he said, you know, with, with Ray being a pastor, I feel that if I give him this amplifier, I will get closer into the graces of God. And I couldn't believe this man who is older than me said that about me, that if he gave me something that I would like to have, that God would increase his chances of being saved by giving me a piece of radio gear. This, is, this really happened. And I just, this guy needs to understand there's, there's no one who does good. No, not one. When I talk to some of my friends who are unbelievers that claim to be Christians, and I talk to them about how sinful I am, you know what they always say? They say, oh, no, you're, you're too hard on yourself, Ray. You're a good guy. You're a real good guy. God loves you. Well, I know he loves me, but they say, you're a good guy. You don't need to beat yourself up. Stand up. Pick your head up. Stand tall. Well, that's where pride comes in. You know what? I am a pretty good guy. I am something else. And if you listen to that, you'll start to believe them, and you'll get away from what the Bible says, that you are not good. You're not good. I'm going to tell you today, you're not good. I was telling Russ earlier today that his life was toilet paper. And if you want to know how that works out, the reason I said that is because, you know, the older you get, the faster life seems to move. You ever experienced that? It's like pulling toilet paper. The closer you get to the roll, the faster it spins, right? <laughs> so <laughs> um, so uh, if your life is toilet paper, you're certainly not good. But no, uh, we're not good, guys. And I, I have put it in my messages before. I would theoretically get in the position of somebody who was upset over their their problems and say, well, I'm not good enough. I'll say, you know what? You're not. Typically, you expect to hear different from a pastor. You, hear, you want people, a pastor to say, you know what? You are good enough. Come on, let's do it. I'll tell you you're not. And it's not to strike down your character or make you feel bad, but I want you to look more at Jesus so you can take the load off of you and put it on him that, no, I'm not good enough. There is nothing good in me, but in Jesus, I can have perfection through him. When people come and tell me I'm not good enough, I will agree with them. You're not. And, and it's like Mike over there laughing, that's the last thing you'd expect to hear. I'll tell you, I'm not good enough either. Often I say, what a sinner I am. I'm a bad sinner. I'm a terrible sinner. I'm the biggest sinner in the room. I say that all the time. I actually had an individual after a church service one time a while back said, Ray, look, um, I'm a friend of yours, and I want to tell you as a friend that you need to stop saying that. You need to stop saying what a sinner you are. And I said, why? He goes, because that's not biblical, my friend. That's wrong. I said, no, it's very biblical. It's because Paul said it. Paul said, I am the chief of all sinners. I am the chief. I am the worst sinner there is. And then he said, who will save me from this body of death? Only Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul said it. It's very biblical. It is very biblical. So you'll have people expose to you their scale. They will show you what they don't know by, I want to give them this piece of radio gear to get closer to the grace of God or Ray, stop saying you're a sinner. Say that you're wonderful. They will give you their scale that shows you where they really are at in their belief system. 
that they're faulted in that they don't understand that there is not one who does good. No, not one. We have to make sure people don't look at us. They have to look at Jesus Christ. I have to make sure, and I strive very hard to make sure you don't look at me. I know you're looking at me as the mouthpiece in front of the mic right now, but as the example of righteousness and how to live, we go through the Bible. Don't look at me because somewhere along the way, you're going to find a flaw in me. You're going to find something wrong in me. And if you base it on me, you're going to be heartbroken. How many of you have ever been heartbroken because you met one of your heroes? You know, they say, never meet your heroes. The people you idolize, never meet them. They will disappoint you. I've bumped into some heroes before, and it disappointed me severely because they were not who I thought they were. Don't base it on me. Don't base it on your heroes, the people that you think are wonderful. God, I'd love to meet them. They must be so awesome. I guarantee you, you meet them, you're going to be disappointed, severely disappointed. Because nobody does any good. I'm just emphasizing the fact we need to keep it on Jesus Christ. One day we're going to meet him. Isn't that good? (laughs) And we're like, when I meet Jesus, I'm going to be like, you are a whole lot greater than I ever thought you were. (laughs) We can't imagine how great. But if you base it on me or... You know, your 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 Adrian Rogers or your Chuck Swindoll or your MacArthur that y'all bring up often, if you base it, oh, they're so wonderful, they're so wonderful. One day they're going to slip and they're going to fall, and then you're going to be heartbroken. And when you're heartbroken, you're going to realize, I made the mistake of basing it on them. I've seen pastors fall, and it breaks my heart because when pastors fall, the first thing people do is they criticize them, and they attack them, and they speak bad of them. I can't believe I trusted that man for 10 years. I can't believe I got under his uh, leadership for 10 years. He, he did me wrong. He messed up one time, and you cut the man. There was a, a, a I'm, I know I'm coming, kind of going on, but uh, there was a church that uh, had a falling out with their pastor that um, I knew a lot of the people in the church, and I knew the pastor. And he made a dumb mistake. I'll admit, it was a mistake I'd like to think I would have not made. But he made a dumb mistake. He hurt a lot of people. The church said, well, you can't stay here. It was pretty bad. You got to go. And a lot of people got mad, and they quit the church, and they haven't been back because I don't trust any pastor now if he's going to turn out like him. And whenever they would talk to me about this pastor, well, Ray, you don't know the whole story. You need to hear what he did. And they're talking bad about him, talking bad about him. And I would just get so heartbroken. And they're like, what's got you so upset? And I said, the fear that I'm going to do that to somebody someday myself. People that got under me and listened to me and I make a mistake and then they will hold that grudge against me and criticize me to the ground over the mistake I made. Because they based righteousness on me instead of Jesus Christ. When your leaders make mistakes, you forgive it if it can be worked out, if, if they, unless they disqualify themselves from service. Because I've seen some of them do that. Some guys have, have done a disqualification from service that they could not return to ministry. But if it was a mistake and it hurts your feelings, don't amplify your hurt and take it out on that pastor. And people do that today. And I've had it happen to me before. But the error they made and why they took it out on me is because they invested in me. Don't invest your faith and your trust in me. Put all of that in Jesus Christ. 
I could be gone tomorrow. I don't know. I could die on the way home tonight. I pray not. Don't bring that up in front of Anna. She hates that. Because she says she's going to go Amish if I leave this earth. Because I do all the technology and all the internet stuff. She doesn't know how to do it. She'll go to run in a horse and buggy. But (laughs) I could be gone. If I'm gone, what are you going to do? Are you going to say, oh gosh, Ray's gone. What do we do? I'll tell you what you do. You keep studying that Bible. You keep following the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what you do. Okay? No one is good. Not one. Psalm 53 and 4. Have the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon God. We got a culture that doesn't call upon God. They want to call upon Donald Trump or they want to call upon Joe Biden. Either way is wrong. Now, I do believe in voting for our leadership. We've got to do that. But don't invest your hope in them and your trust in them like they're going to get us out of this. Have they no knowledge, he says. Have they no knowledge? It's like, do you not know anything? And why do you not call upon the Lord God? It's almost, again, he says, the fool says in his heart, there's no God. Now, you may theoretically believe there is a God. You may theoretically or theologically agree that there is a God of this Bible that we read, but when you have problems and you go through difficulties and you don't call upon God, you're conducting yourself like there is no God. And that is foolish. If I get a headache before I make it to the medicine cabinet to take an aspirin, I'm praying first. I don't value the medicine cabinet before the Lord God. You see what I'm saying? Call upon God. Call upon God for everything. You can't sleep at night. Oh, what should I do? I shouldn't have had that coffee, this, that, or the other. Call upon God. You know, I have prayed myself to sleep before. I said, God, I can't sleep, so I'm just going to talk to you. And I started praying, and I fell asleep. And when I woke up, I felt guilty because I don't know where I left off in my prayer. God, where did I leave off? I want to pick it back up. <laughs> I'm sure God's like, it's okay. <laughs> you, got to, you got to sleep. Involve God in your life. Don't act like he doesn't exist, like you've got to fix everything. Have, you, have the workers of iniquity no knowledge. They eat up my people as they eat bread, and they don't call upon God. Friends, we've got to call upon God. Call upon God. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of people I wish they would call upon God before they call me on the phone. Ray, I got this issue. I got that. Did you pray? No. Did you, did you do the, all the things the Bible says to do? No, I didn't do that. I'm like, why are you calling me first? I mean, that really bothers me when people call me first, and they, they ought to know to pray. They ought to know to call upon God, and they, they don't. They call me. Don't base it on me. I don't do good because the Bible says so. We don't do any good. So if you don't call upon God, you're acting like somebody who doesn't believe God exists. And that makes us foolish. We don't want to be that. Verse 5, there they are in great fear where no fear was. For God has scattered the bones of him who encamps against you. You have put them to shame because God has despised them. Okay, they're in great fear where no fear was in the first place. You ever realize sometimes when you're really scared of something and you're afraid of the outcome of a series of events and, oh my gosh, it's going to turn into this, and then suddenly you stop and go, wait a minute, I just imagined the whole thing. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life 
is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.